As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. At the end of the day, we all have a story to tell. And while we might not be able to 100% relate with one another's stories, mm -hmm. the reality is, is that we've all done things to love and be loved yeah. that we, we might be a little bit embarrassed of. All of us have this root of desiring to love and be loved. Welcome to Cultivating the Lovely. I'm your host, Mackenzie Kappa. And around here, we know that life is hard and we gotta do everything we can to just make it a little bit more lovely. So it's my mission to bring you great conversations, practical tools and information, and a healthy dose of community to help make those things happen. If you want to find out more, you can go to our website at cultivatingthelovely.com, visit our amazing membership community at patreon.com slash cultivatingthelovely, or by connecting with me on Instagram, which is one of my favorite places to interact with all of you. You can find me at Mackenzie Kappa. Thanks so much for joining me today. Ooh, ladies, today's interview. Today's interview was one of my favorite interviews that I conducted. I actually did it last year, getting ready for this year. But you guys, this book that is coming out next week by Rebecca Bender, I could not put down. I read it in one weekend. It is called In Pursuit of Love, and it is about Rebecca's experience being trafficked in Las Vegas. Because yes, this actually happens in our country. And as you're going to hear about in this interview, I actually was able to relate so much more to the things that she had experienced um, than I ever thought I would. And I think this book is a great equalizer to help us to look on people with compassion and maybe a little bit more understanding that are going through incredibly difficult things that we don't know all the backstory of. And it is just a book that I think should want to spur us all on to action and grace. And I just, I don't have enough good things to say about this amazing book and this amazing woman who is shaking things up and doing incredible things for the Lord and in our country. And we should be perking up our ears and paying attention to the things that she is talking about and doing. So I'm so excited to have Rebecca Bender on today. It was one of the interviews I just so looked forward to because her book was just that impactful to me. And of course, we are going to be talking about this interview and this book over in the Patreon group. We have quite the little community over there, you guys. We pray for each other. We have live morning shows every weekday with either encouragement or fun things. And we really do life together. There are so many prayers that get shared and tools for life. 
it is just such an amazing, powerful group. Plus, you get the podcasts early and ad-free, and there's just a lot of other fun little perks that we have going on over in Patreon. And so we would love to have you come join us for just $3 a month. $3 a month. You could be watching the morning show every morning with us, getting pumped up for your day and starting your day in community. And we would just love to have you there. So head to patreon.com slash cultivating the lovely. If you would like to be a part of that, we would love to have you there. Also, I usually talk about this at the end of the show, but I'm going to slip it in here a little bit earlier today. Did you know that if you head over to our show notes, which are always boldturquoise.com slash whatever the show number is, I think you can also find them in iTunes now and everything. If you go go through any of the links that we mentioned that head over to Amazon and then you buy anything you want to on Amazon, it actually supports the show. It doesn't have to be something we've specifically linked to, but if you get to Amazon through that link, it helps support the show at no other extra cost to you, which is super helpful for us. And if there's just another way that you want to support the show that isn't going to cost you anything, it would be heading over to iTunes and leaving a rating and review iTunes is one of the big ways that new people find out about the show, and we so appreciate when you share about it, when you leave those reviews, when you share the show on social media. You guys are like my media team, and I so appreciate when you do that. It just really makes such a big difference. And of course, I love talking with you on Instagram, too. That's one of the number one ways that I feel like I get to connect with Cultivating the Lovely listeners. So head over and find me on Instagram at Mackenzie Coppa. I would love to chat with you there. All right, but let's get on with this amazing episode with Rebecca Bender. Welcome, Rebecca. Hello. How are you? I am good, and I'm so excited to have you here today. Oh, I'm excited. Thanks for having me. So, okay, I'm just going to back up. I'm going to back all the way up to when I first requested your book, because I get the whole list from Zondervan. Zondervan is the one publisher who's like gotten their act together. (laughs) (laughs) And they send us a list of everything that's coming out for the next year so we can actually figure out like who we're going to have on the show and what books we actually want showing up in our mailbox instead of this ridiculous stack that I get from all the other publishers when I'm like, I don't even want these, please stop. (laughs) (laughs) But with this, I was able to go through and read, you know, synopsis of what all the books were about. And yours, it was one of those I paused on. It was like, okay, this is going to get real intense, real intense, real quick. But I'm intrigued. And so I requested it. And this is maybe the only book I got this year that I finished in 48 hours. Wow. It was so well written and captivating and just that good. Like, I. Well, it's all due to Zondervan's editors. I'm Take a, speak- a little credit. I'm a speaker who writes. That's, you know, you've heard that saying, yeah. there's speakers who write and there's writers who speak. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, we had a huge team work on this. I'm, I'm so grateful. We had a, quite a few editors, four different editors. Wow. Um, took their hand at a, at a you know, a walkthrough yeah. um, and got some great feedback and some help with some restructuring. I had a hard time, like, you know, you want your story to be unique in the sense of the way it's written, you know, sure. especially with memoir. I've read lots of memoirs and it feels like oftentimes it starts on like, I was born on a dark night, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. And and so I tried to do this like flashback thing where you go back and forth yeah. and it can, at first it was a little confusing. Um, so the team just did a really great job at making every other chapter 
mm-hmm. like a before and a current, a before and a current yeah. until they finally collide. And then you yeah. walk through the rest of the way together. So they did a great job helping me sort through making it un- a unique read for sure. Yeah. Oh, it absolutely is. It's just, I, this is one of them that I will hang on to. I won't be sticking this in the, you know, little library down the street. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that might be <laughs> awkward for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> But it, yeah, it's so good. But let's back up. Let's back up. Okay. You need to introduce yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. That was my fault. (laughs) Uh, Well, hi, I'm Rebecca Bender. I'm a survivor of human trafficking. I'm the author of my new book, In Pursuit of Love, which hits shelves January 28th. And I am a mom and a wife and I love crafting, and (laughs) I I just graduated seminary with my master's in biblical studies, and so I'm a teacher. I I love to preach and teach the word, Um, and that's really really what I I love to do the most. And you do a beautiful job of it through such an intense story, and I think the thing that, that really struck me when I was reading this story, because like you said, you, it's about your experience in human trafficking. Like we hear about that, you know, but you don't, it doesn't feel real until Mm -hmm. you read somebody's story and you're like, oh my goodness. And this is happening in the United States. This isn't like, you know, off in some third world country. This is right here under our noses with real women who, I I don't think you were like a likely (laughs) subject, you know, like, you don't feel like, oh yeah, of course this would have happened to her. And in so many ways, I, I related to what you had to say, which I didn't expect either because of the abusive marriage that I was in that whole process of kind of, I was, I feel like I was an unlikely person Mm -hmm. to end up in an abusive marriage. I'm fairly outspoken. I, Mm -hmm. you know, I say what I think I'm fairly bold and, and here I was for 14 years, having gotten sucked into it, mm-hmm. feeling like I couldn't escape, literally having to flee and f- like plan my way to get out of it without him knowing. Mm-hmm. And so like reading your story, while our stories are so different, the, the undercurrents of it were all the same. I think that's so important that you shared that because you know, with trafficking, at the, at the end of the day, we all have a story to tell. And while we might not be able to 100% relate with one another's stories, mm-hmm. the reality is, is that we've all done things to love and be loved. Yeah. That we, we might be a little bit embarrassed of. We might, even if it's not today, but maybe when you were in your teens and you yeah. right, decided to make that one bad decision or go to that one party or say yes to this or that, it's like there's moments for all of us where we have come really close to crossing boundaries mm-hmm. in order to love and be loved, in order to feel like you belong. Um, and for any of us who weren't raised in a faith-based home, especially, it's like to really just fill that God hole size in your heart with anything else, because you don't know that's the only piece of the puzzle that will fit, right? And yeah, yeah. And so I think at the, at the, when you peel back all the specifics of whether it was domestic violence or addiction or trafficking or abuse, or a variety of other horrific mm. things that, that humanity goes through, poverty, childhood abuse, right? All of it. When you yeah. peel the layer back, all of us have this root of desiring to love and be loved. Mm-hmm. And, and the kind of, we had posed that question, I think on the back cover that says like, how far would you go to love and mm-hmm. be loved? And letting that really sink in for people of like, wow, I've, 
I too have made bad decisions. I too have done things that I regret. Um, and so I'm hoping there's going to be some judgment through the book, I'm sure, from some readers, but I'm hoping most people walk away feeling like, um, yeah, I've made bad decisions too. And yeah. I've, I've made regrets in my life, especially when you're in your teens. I mean, yeah. 17 to 25, like we don't make the best decisions. No. And so I'm hoping people give me a little bit of grace and, and try to remember like, well, she was 19. <laughs> and yeah. I um, was 19 when I got married. You okay. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know what to look for. You don't always no. see red flags. You weren't always taught things to look for. Or um, you just, you ignore them because you think, well, this, what this person's telling me just, it must be true. Like I'm going to ignore the red flags that I'm seeing because I want it to be true. And so right. I'm going to end up here. And I mean, I think not only are people going to give you grace through this story. I mean, obviously, we're talking about human trafficking. We're talking about Las Vegas. There, there are some automatic assumptions. I mean, even walking into it for me, it was like, you've got your mugshot on the cover of the book. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, okay, I'm not going to relate to this girl at all. But you, you humanized what this is. Yeah. This is, I feel like everyone needs to read this because we're all so much more alike than we think. Yeah. And yeah. it's, it's not even just about having grace for you. It was like, oh, like we, we all need to be more cognizant of what people's backstory are. Right. Backstories are because we just, it's, you can't take it at face value. You don't right. know what somebody has been through. Yeah. You never know what some, the, the past someone's carrying and I, I really did want people to see that domestic survivors of human trafficking, we're people like everyone else, right? Yeah. We, I tell people, we, I have this picture of my daughter. She's got to be in first grade maybe. And she's doing her Christmas recital at school, which is fitting because it's December right now that we're, yeah. that we're recording. Yeah. And so, you know, moms all go to the Christmas recital and she's up there in her little outfit. And it's one of those physical photos that she actually got printed back then. Mm. It wasn't on digital, yeah. but on the outside edges, like the vignette of the photo are all these other parents with their cameras in hand. And it hit me when I saw it a couple years ago, looking through old photos, I thought, wow, we sat amongst you and no one ever noticed. Yeah. Like my kid went to school with a whole bunch of people's kids and no one ever noticed. Yeah. And we're moms just like you. We're, we're sisters, we're daughters. We're, you know, like we're still humans. My yeah. mom, I can remember during this time I was being trafficked, my mom worked at the local gym, like, mm -hmm. like a 24 hour fitness or planet, uh -huh. you know, planet fitness, whatever. Yeah. Like one of those types of gyms. It's a local, not a big national brand that anyone would know. But anyways, she was the director of operations and, and sometimes she would have to cover the front desk for staff and check people in. And it just hit me one day when she told me that she had developed ulcers from stress while I was being trafficked. Oh, yeah. And that sometimes her phone would ring and it would be a number she didn't recognize. And she would have the thought like, this is the moment I'm going to be told my daughter's dead. Mm -hmm. And I thought of that while she stood at her front desk, front counter of the local gym and said, have a great workout, have a great day yeah. to every single person that passed by, not knowing if today would be the day that their daughter died from being trafficked. And no one, and it's not anyone's fault. I mean, this is yeah. partly why, you know, we talked about this before yeah. we jumped on recording. This is partly why I wrote the book is I want people to be aware that this is happening in communities and you don't know who it's affecting. You don't know the parents and the friends and the loved ones that it's impacting and the kids. And, um, but it is, it's all around us. It's right under our noses. Yeah. 
Well, it's so interesting that you say that. I mean, it just makes me think of my own mom and what we've gone through in this last couple of months with my brother. And when she had to go back to work after he was gone Mm. and she said it was easier the people who didn't know because she could kind of pretend like it didn't happen. Mm. You know, like she didn't have to encounter it over and over again all throughout the day. People saying, I'm so sorry for your loss. Like, she just said, I just, I could, if I'm at work, I just can't, I can't think about it because it's just too much to keep bringing up all day long, you know? And it's, it's that same thing. You don't know what the receptionist at your dentist has gone through, you know, the week before, but is still there greeting you. And it's, it's just, it kind of gets you out of your own box. Like, we think of ourselves all the time, but yeah, it makes you yeah. kind of have to think about the people that you're encountering on a daily basis. Totally. And our brains are so interesting the way they work when you're talking about your mom kind of de- like compartmentalizing, right? Yeah. And you kind of put yeah. these blinders on and you keep doing the job you're, you're, you're needing to do. Yeah. Um, partly because you need to finish your job, but also because it's easier to just block it out. And I think as, as someone who's lived through being yeah. trafficked, that's what was easy to do often was you just kind of block out the, the mm-hmm. pricking of your conscience. You block out the warning signs and the red flags that are going off and you just finish with your day because you really want to go back to being excited and hopeful and in love. You need to go back to being a mother. And mm-hmm. so you do the same separation in your brain, yeah. right? That you just explained your mom did. Like that's, it's, and it's interesting. Emotions are they're not like faucets necessarily that you can just turn the hot on and the cold off and it, right. That it kind of spreads into everything. And so that, that living in the constant state of fear Mm -hmm. can spread into all of your relationships. And there's even lots of studies right now that show people who have um, lived in a life of prostitution, whether by forced choice or circumstance Mm -hmm. have higher risks of long-term anxiety, long-term stress Mm -hmm. um, because of this prolonged state of fear. And so there are a lot of states right now um, that are trying to legalize prostitution politically and, you know, like votes that are coming up on mm-hmm. ballots. And, and I think yeah. the legalization of marijuana has really kind of prefaced the stage for this. Mm-hmm. And, and so to see the mental health concerns for communities, right, where this yeah. may potentially, it's just fascinating. Not that we want to get into that today, but I just no, find no, it. No, no, I, I just think the brain is crazy. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, because I, obviously... I didn't live in that state of fear, but I did live, I have PTSD from mm-hmm. my marriage, from the constant state of stress that yep. I lived in. And I, like, I try to explain to people, like the big moments were awful The you know, breaking through a door to get to me, you know, like those uh-huh. kinds of fights or whatever uh-huh. that, that was, that was terrible, but it was the little everyday things. Yep. It was the expectations and never meeting those expectations. And the, what is he going to be mad about today? Exactly. Did I leave the stove on? Did I leave the bathroom light on? Did I not vacuum and get the lines perfect? Did I not water the plants 12 inches and he's going to come home and check with a shish kebab stick to make sure the dirt goes a certain amount of time and measure it and then punch me if I didn't do it right. It's this constant state of never knowing what you've done. It's that living in yeah. a constant state of fear that causes severe long-term mental anxiety, PTSD, mm-hmm. stress. Um, yeah. 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 It's hard. And without, without the Holy Spirit and yeah. without 
you know, actual psych, you know, like recovery, actual therapy yes. modalities, therapeutic yep. modalities and Holy Spirit, like both yeah. combined, yes. God can renew our minds and, and he does, but yeah. it takes work and it takes identifying it like, oh, wow, I still have this habit from fear. I've got to fix mm -hmm. that. Right. Like we yeah. all have to actually put in some effort for our recovery. It's not just yeah. going to I like to say God isn't this bibbity bobbity boo God fairy yeah. godmother that's like oh you've escaped ding you're all better like yeah. you actually have to put in work it's not easy Okay ladies I want to get real for just a second and tell you about one of the number one things that has helped me in the past two and a half years to recover from the abuse that I experienced and get my head back on straight to know who I even was and how I could achieve my goals and be able to be just in a healthy space. And that was counseling because I was so kind of lost and I needed a way to be able to clear my head and get things re-centered. And if you are experiencing anything that is interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, then I want to talk about a really great counseling option for you, BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in under 24 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network, which may not be locally available in many areas, and the service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you don't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. When I first got assigned to a counselor, I realized they probably weren't going to be a good fit for me and I wanted somebody who more aligned with my values and my faith and they really simply were able to switch everything around for me so that I could connect with someone who I knew would really be helpful to me. It's also more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. And if you don't just want to take my word for it, you can visit their website and read testimonials. New ones are posted every single day about how helpful it is. So visit betterhelp.com lovely, that's better H-E-L-P, and join the over 700,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And for my Cultivating the Lovely listeners, you can get 10% off your first month by just going to betterhelp.com lovely. Well, and I love what you said, like both. We need both the modalities. It was one of the reasons why when I went to counseling, I actually went to the YWCA because I knew that they had so much experience with abuse. And sometimes as sad as it is, a lot of Christian counselors don't have a good grasp of what actual abuse looks like within a marriage or the tools to be able to like actually help PTSD, like not just sitting and talking about what you went through, but like I've done EMDR therapy to actually help rewire my brain, you know, mm -hmm, to, mm -hmm. to get past those traumas that happened. I mean, just like a totally personal story and it's so silly, but I had really strict guidelines around our food in my house and like what I needed to serve and what time it needed to be on the table and, you know, all of that kind of thing. And I moved in with my parents after I left. 
And I remember at first my dad getting home one night and I was in a panic and I was like, I'm so sorry, dinner's not done yet. I'm working on it. I hope it's okay. I hope you don't hate it. You know, like all of that. And he was like, Whoa, chill out. Like, what's your deal? But I was so used to living in that, like, I'm going to get in trouble if this isn't perfect kind of Mm -hmm. a thing. And then it was probably six or seven months later, he came home from work one night and I'd been in counseling for, you know, six or seven months. And I said, look, dinner's not done. It'll be done when it's done. You just go sit and watch a show and it's not going to be great, but I don't even care. And he was like, wow, you've come a ways. (laughs) That's the same thing that you've dealt with, but it was, I wouldn't have gotten there if it hadn't been through a lot of counseling and getting, working through that anxiety and, and doing the EMDR therapy plus prayer. And, uh, you know, you need both. Like it's not a bad thing to need both. Yeah. I mean, I think God gives people wisdom and he gives doctors wisdom to figure out how to actually better understand neurology and trauma, Mm -hmm. the psychology of adverse childhood experiences. Like there's actual psychological, neurological things that happen to your brain with trauma and, and doctors have been created for a reason. Like God has gifted people with wisdom in that arena, um, because I think sometimes our, God has told me so many times when I beat myself up for, you know, saying this or doing that or just foot and mouth and being like, gosh, yeah. how can I, how come I can't just figure out how to bite my tongue when I'm frustrated? Why isn't the Lord yeah. giving me, I need to exercise my fruit of self-control, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. And the Lord's like, you don't think I know how your brain works. You don't think yeah. I knew that coming out of this fire, you would still have a little bit of like smoke residue. Like, Yeah, I'm not mad at you for smelling a little like smoke still. It's expected. You lived through a fire and, and I know better than you do how your brain works, that this is a, this is like, has been a fired synapsis, so to speak. Like I'm not a neurologist, so I'm not probably using the right terms. Anyone who's listening, (laughs) but like, I loved when he made me aware. I have a lot of neurologists who listen to the podcast. (laughs) It's the number one neurology (laughs) podcast in America. Um, but right, like it was such a good reminder that like my brain works a certain way because I've been through crap and, and that's okay. And God's going to help yeah. fix it and it's going to be restored and we'll get there. But I can't expect to yeah. be 100% different overnight. And, and so living and celebrating my processes and my small victories mm-hmm. is what kept me in a state of kind of like celebration and hopeful expect expectation with God, as opposed mm-hmm. to constantly beating myself up, constantly having negative self-talk, yeah. constantly, yeah. you know, being shameful to my, which I could very well do. Like I, yeah. you know, I mess, I mess up all day long still. Yeah. Um, and so it's just really helpful for me not to, um, like shrink back and go, Oh, I'm so awful. Oh, I can't get over this. Oh, why can't I like, Nope. You know what? Today I did better than I did yesterday. Today yeah. I bit my tongue and tomorrow I might not. Tomorrow I might be yeah. crabby yeah. and stressed out and hungry yeah. or hangry. Yes. Any moms yes. out there? Hello, somebody. Yeah. Like we've For all had sure. hangry moments, but yes. <laughs> I love that. Well, and I think, I mean, now I may be totally talking out of turn. I don't know. But I, I know for me personally, I went through a lot of healing with the counseling and then was like, good for a while. And then like you go a while and then something new happens or you encounter something you haven't encountered in a while and you kind of, you got to kind of go back to counseling and address some things in a new way. And from watching you doing like your press tours and things you've been doing like late the summer and this fall, I know like you went back to Las Vegas. 
Mm-hmm. And we kind of had, I don't know if you remember, we had a couple of little Instagram chats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. like, go, go do this. Or like, I am praying for you. I hope everything's okay. So what was that like for you having to go back into that space? Oh, that's so good. You know, I had only, this was only my second time back to Las Vegas since I had been trafficked. Um, the first time was really hard because I went and visited the home I was trafficked in. Oh, wow. I went to my daughter's school and sat in the parking lot and just tried to remember what our daily routines were like, part of which helped with writing the book because yeah. sometimes you just forget, you know, you just, yeah. I mean, yeah. memories, you just forget for time in general, let alone trauma kind of yeah. helps, yeah. adds to that. But um, this time, the things that were really hard, because again, it was only the second time. And last, the first time I went, I stayed with a good friend who had just moved there. So that was really helpful because I got to go home to her, to like a safe mm-hmm. space, a new home I'd never been at. Like I had no memories attached with it. Yeah, yeah. But this time I stayed in a hotel Ooh. and thankfully that hotel had never been, it was a new hotel. So it wasn't built when I was trafficked. So I didn't have a lot of the memories. I hadn't even thought about that until I pulled yeah. up from my Uber. Yeah. And I thought, man, if I would have stayed in a hotel I was trafficked in, I don't know if this emotion would have been too much, like getting in yeah. the elevator walking down the hallways. I mean, I can still, this is, you know, I don't do this as much audibly anymore, but I can watch a movie and tell you what hotel it's being filmed in based oh, on the, I bet. The, the carpet, the curtain colors. I can tell you all of Ocean. We went through Ocean's <laughs> 8 and I could tell you every, where every scene was filmed, right? Like, oh, yeah. that's on the 32nd floor and higher because they only remodeled in 2004. Yeah. Um, like, and my, hus- my husband would be like, can you stop? This is uncomfortable for me. <laughs> but um so I'm glad I didn't stay in that in one of those same hotels because I would have I would yeah. have had some of those memories. This was a new hotel, but it did bring up some really old feelings like walking into a hotel in Vegas and hearing the sounds of the slot yeah. machines and seeing all the people and immediately like scanning the room and then taking the outside perimeter closest to guest elevators. Like that that had become such a habit for me. I did that immediately. And that bothered me that I was like, man, this is like muscle memory. Like I just immediately walked in, scanned the perimeter and took the outside perimeter closest to guest elevators. What is wrong with me? And quite frankly, like it's really helpful on vacations when we go places (laughs) because I can get us to our elevator really quickly. I can navigate our hotel pretty quick. There's some transferable skills I try to focus on. The upside. The upside. But, um, But it's really it still kind of hits you like the smells. I forgot like the smell of alcohol and cigars. And Mm. um, I had came in late after we did an event. We filmed out on the strip pretty late um, for the book trailer. And I came back, they dropped me off and I walked in and there's like groups of drunk men. Mm. And just that feeling of like, oh my gosh, I'm back in this setting. It just, it made my stomach turn. Oh, I had to go back up to my room and FaceTime with my husband and my girls and just like yeah. try to remember who I am today. And it was hard. Yeah. I, know, <laughs> I mean, I'm getting like quivering talking yeah. about it. Well, and there was probably a certain sense too of like you automatically think those guys are going to be looking for you, you know, like that you oh, I had four them. times that I thought I saw my trafficker. It was oh. not. It was definitely PTSD. Yeah. I was in an airport and I saw a guy with a similar build and his back was to me. And it, like, as soon as I got off the plane and that hit me and I was like, oh my gosh, I could run into him. Cause my trafficker's yeah. still out trafficking. He's yeah. still out. Ugh. So, and in Vegas. And so 
that, and then the guy turned and I was like, oh, it's not him. And then I went to my hotel and the same thing. I saw a guy with a similar build and I, oh, is that him? Like that happened four times. And I called my friend and she was like, you know, next time you go to Vegas, it would probably just for your own peace of mind be helpful to like call an old retired cop that you might have connections with and see if someone can be just like your escort yeah. while you're in Vegas. Yes. Not because something bad would happen. No. If there's a retired guy that would do it for 25 bucks to help yeah. you out. Like yeah. it just help with your own sense of mental stability. Why I'm trying to stay focused on like filming book tour and doing yeah. the speaking engagement instead of being in a heightened like sensory overload moment. So yeah. and next if, time. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and if people haven't experienced that kind of panic before, like it just, it takes over. There's not a lot that you can really do to help that not just have be a very visceral experience. And it can kind of come out of nowhere. I mean, obviously you were back in Las Vegas, but I was driving the other day. I was stopped at a stoplight and a diesel truck pulled up next to me and it was the exact same kind that my ex had. And it was, that was always the noise that I would, that would set in the panic that he was Mm. getting home and we needed to scramble and make things ready. And just like that sound of that truck roaring up next to me, like my heart started racing. I was breathing Mm -hmm. quickly. I was sweating. And like, there was, it just happens. You know, there's so much of like, you're saying like muscle memory. There's so much that's just like ground into our bodies Yeah, that, yeah, it's just, it's there and you always kind of have to work through. Right. Okay, ladies, this week is full of new sponsors, and I'm so excited to tell you about all of them. So let's let's get on with one right now. Just hang in here with me because it's really good, and I've kind of got a funny story to go along with it. So one of the things I love about my Apple Watch is how easy it makes my daily routine. It just makes it so I don't have to check my phone as much and allows me to know what's coming up next. It's super handy. But there's something new that I love about my Apple Watch. I didn't think I was going to love it about my Apple Watch, but now I totally totally do. And it's basically that it helps me take my personal trainer with me wherever I go. Yes, you heard that right. (laughs) She can track my every step. And it is with an app called Future that has changed the way I'm hitting my workouts, you guys. I was so scared. I was so scared to use Future because I knew that my trainer, Bridget, was going to be able to see how much I was actually working out. And that is a scary, scary proposition for me. But you guys... For the first time, literal first time in my life, I am actually sticking with a workout routine. And it's a workout routine that is completely customized to me. She's not mean or like scary like I thought she would be. She's super encouraging, but she also keeps me accountable. When she creates a 20-minute workout for me, and I've said that I want to do it three days a week, if I don't do it, she's like, hey, how's it going? What's going on in your day? Do we need to readjust things? Plus, I love that I can leave her feedback after every single one of my workouts to say, I really like this. I want to tweak that. And she completely customizes customizes everything to what I am looking for. And in just a couple of weeks of doing this, I have seen literal changes in my body, so much more than I ever expected. I have more energy. 
I am in love with using Future. So let me just give you like the bare bones about it though. So Future pairs you up with one of their world-class trainers and the coaches create your personalized workout plan tailored specifically to your schedule, your routine, your goals, and your progress. Your coach checks in with you daily to keep you on track, but they're not mean about it. They're super encouraging. They do it by sending you texts through the app, making adjustments to your routine, and following your progress logged on your Apple Watch. Don't have an Apple Watch? No problem. When you sign up to train with Future, they send you everything you need, including an Apple Watch, you guys. Don't ever pay for a trainer. Get the workouts you need to meet all your fitness goals and take your trainer with you wherever you go with Future. Sign up for Future today at tryfuture.com lovely and get 50% off your first month. That's tryfuture.com lovely for 50% off your first month. Tryfuture.com lovely. You guys, it really, really works. Just watch my Insta stories to hear me talk all about it. There's actually a, a, a thing that's called FETI. It stands for Forensic Environmental Trauma Interviewing. And FETI is a, is a, is a modality that's taught to law enforcement nowadays. It's new, newer psychology. It's been around, I don't know, five or 10 years probably. Um, and there's a phenomenal trainer. He does it. He, can, he goes around and trains law enforcement on FETI. And it's all about getting cops to interview or law enforcement to interview victims of trauma through this forensic environmental lens of like, Mm. instead of trying to remember what were they wearing? What time of day? Was it Saturday or Sunday? You know, because sometimes those kind of details trauma will get wrong, Mm -hmm. but what doesn't get wrong is sounds, smells, and, and like feeling the touch on your skin. So sometimes like example, they'll say, can you tell me what the feeling was like in the room? Was it hot? Was it cold? Was it, and mm. just the fact of like having the trauma victim rethink about the, f- the, the feeling in the air. Mm-hmm. Like make, the sensory un- thing. It un- yeah. It unlodges other details that they had forgotten. It's part of just how the yeah. brain works with trauma. And so it's not that law enforcement has been doing anything wrong. It's that science, we're just learning more and more and more with every decade that goes by and every research that's done. We're just learning more about the brain and trauma. And so being able to bring that back to law enforcement to help them learn how to better interview in order to unlodge mm-hmm. memories surrounding perpetrators and, you know, yeah. victimization, stuff like that. Um, it just helps you to have a better timeline and yeah. to lead to better conviction rates. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because that is such a part of trauma is that you just, you do that compartmentalizing and you block out a lot of it. Like I like to think I have the memory of an elephant, but there are entire sections of my life that I just put away. Right. Because it's just too much. And the other thing that's fascinating, I hate to totally take over your podcast of neurology, um, but <laughs> I, I am here to listen this, to anything this, you have to offer. This, this is the number one podcast yes. on neurology. The, yes. the other crazy thing that I've learned in terms of like just learning about my own trauma is there's this, there's this, I'm probably not even getting the word right, but it's like parasymptomatic mode where an example would be if you were to go to sleep tonight and you woke up to a startling broken glass in the middle of the night. Your, you know, your amygdala, yeah. your prefrontal co- cortex would sound an alarm, but your rationale part of your brain, your cognitive reasoning would go, oh, wait a minute. I left a glass on the counter. I do have a cat that jumps on counters and there's no other noises. Your brain actually settles down and you go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. But if that noise were to happen and your cognitive reasoning goes, I didn't leave anything out. 
I don't have a cat and now I'm hearing footsteps in the house, mm -hmm. your, your brain goes into full-blown panic. Your adrenaline surges, you're up and moving. What happens though, if then you are assaulted, is your brain can actually shut down to preserve your own sanity. And that's why they call it Swiss cheese brain, where there's yeah. actually parts of the memory of that event that you do not remember because your God built your brain to protect you. Yeah. And so it's so fascinating when it's like pockets of memory that has been forgotten shouldn't be a sign that anyone's lying. It should be a sign that something traumatic yeah. actually happened. Yeah. Um, and yes. when we can really better understand how the brain works, it's, it's helpful for anyone who works with trauma victims, but it's yeah. also helpful for self to go, wow, I'm not crazy. Yes. I, it's okay <laughs> that I don't totally remember that night. Um, yeah. And I might remember it later on when a smell or a sound yeah. or a sensory kind of rejogs it and unlodges that part of yeah. memory in my brain. But God's just created us so intricately and amazing and complex. It's just incredible. He's just brilliant. It is. It is. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty amazing to see how it all comes together. Yeah. And, and your story is amazing to see how it comes together. Like you said, like you write kind of from like this back and forth between the current and the past, and then they come together and then you move into the future of you completely getting out of it and getting married and having this beautiful family. And now you have, you know, you went to seminary and you have your master's and like, you're doing these amazing things. Like what, what is that even like? <laughs> It's busy. Total, oh, I, I bet. I bet. What is your drive now? Like, what are you trying to do now? You've written this book. You've started a podcast. I want to talk about the podcast, but like, what, what is your drive? Um, I just really want people to know that their stories matter, mm. that their past does not have to determine their destiny, that all of us have a story to tell that your, your story matters, it changes your legacy, it changes your community, it changes culture. And I, even though I'm telling my story, I'm hopeful that people will be able to identify with their own story like you did, yeah. and then be able to take some lessons out of kind of the last four chapters are really just my lessons on trying to change mm -hmm. my life and trying to get out of the pit and trying to figure out how to undo some really bad habits that I had created. And so I want people to walk away feeling um, not just inspired and, and better, you know, educated on human trafficking, but I want people to walk away going, I can do this too. Like yeah. if she can do it, I can do this. And God's no respecter of persons. What he has for me, he has for you. Like your story matters. You can do this. And, and so for me, that was really it. Like I wanted to inspire people to go after all God has for their life, to throw caution to the wind, jump for the stars, like, it can't be worse than anything you've already been through. It can't. So, like, just trust him. He's a good dad. You can kind of do the whole fallback kid and let God catch you. Like, you really can do that. You don't have to look behind you. You don't have to make sure he's there. Um, and, and so that's what I really hope people get out of it. And that's, that's the reason why I started. I wanted, I wanted people to know this issue existed. Mm -hmm. I didn't know it existed. And that's why yeah. I got trafficked. I didn't know what to look for. Everyone taught me stranger danger. You know, I'm an 80s kid. I grew up yeah. told to watch for the white minivan and the guy who offers me a free puppy and candy, yeah. right? And so, like, I don't know if some people still teach their kids that. I, I teach my kids for sure stranger danger. That's always important for absolutely. I'm not downplaying that by any means. But I think it's also important. I have four little girls. Um, well, one's kind of a big girl now, but um, I have four daughters. And, and one thing we do is I use the movie Frozen, um, Frozen 1, to yeah. talk about 
you know, Hans pretended to be someone he was not, and he yeah. fast-tracked the relationship to get the kingdom. And so not everybody who tries to be their friend with you right away is who they say they are. And it's really important to to take some time to get to know people and to have people you trust get to know them. Because if yes. someone you know and trust, yeah. like your sister, says there's a warning sign here, you need to trust that, that your loved ones love you and they yeah. really have your best interest at their heart. Um, and so we use that a lot in a way where you don't have to talk about trafficking. You don't have to talk yes. about sexual yes. assault with your five-year-old. You know what I mean? Like, obviously you want to do what's age appropriate, good touch, bad touch, stranger danger. But there's also this level of like being thoughtful who you let in your inner circle too quickly um, that I think can protect kids from being exploited. Yeah. That's so, just like all that wisdom you spouted right there about that whole thing, like how to address that with your kids. I think even, I mean, because I'm coming at this as a single mom and thinking about dating and everything again, like everything you just said is like such a good reminder for me, even like <laughs> taking things slow, getting other people involved, getting, you know, taking the time to get to know someone that is so important. It's why I ended up where I did because I didn't trust other people's advice and didn't take time. And, you know, I, I yeah. That, yeah. that hits very close to home. My daughter, my oldest daughter's 20 now. She's the one I talk about in the book. She mm -hmm. um, is a huge part of my, of my book and my story, as you well know. She's 20 now. And when she was in the fifth grade, I can remember her making friends with a new group of girls because we had just moved back. And I can remember one of the girls in the group, I just had this like feeling like this, this girl is not going to be a good influence. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there's a, a myriad of reasons. Yeah. that I feel I want to pray for her. I want to support her, but I don't, I want my daughter to be careful. Right. Yeah, and so yeah. I had a real honest conversation with my daughter of like, Hey, I think you need to make sure that you're hanging out with all of the girls an even amount of time, not mm -hmm. just this one becoming your very like BFF. Like mm -hmm. you need to also hang out with sister Susie, scary Mary, all of them, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> everybody. And, and sure enough, you know, like that was a good advice that I gave her because it ended up being a lot of drama with her. Mm -hmm. da, 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 da. Needless to say, now my daughter trusts me. And now yeah. when she yeah. was in high school and there was another girl and she asked my opinion and I said, I think you need to start slowly backing out of that room. I don't, you don't need to go in and be like, we're not friends anymore. Yeah. You can like, I'm going to go hang out with so-and-so at the movies instead this weekend and, yeah. and start just broadening friendships. And now that she's off at college, she's had times where she's called and been like, mom, how do I... I'm starting to notice a girl that I've been hanging out with has some character that I don't, I don't want to be around. Yeah. How do I back out of the room? And so to have your 19 year old yeah. call and ask, like, how do I get away from people in my friend circles that have character I don't want to be around? That's a huge amount of trust, but it started with the things, the tips like this, like mm -hmm. we need to take, you have to take time with yeah. people before they become your BFFs because you don't know. Everyone puts on their best front in the first 30 days. Yeah. <laughs> like everybody yeah. Yeah. <laughs> dating or, or otherwise, right. Yeah. Dating or just even friends. And, and that's why when you're a new kid in school, it's always seems like the bad table's the first one to accept you to the table. And I, yeah. I've had that experience. So yeah, just that's encourage, really encourage everyone to slow down with, with, um, intimate relationships. And I'm not meaning sexual intimacy. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. letting people into your heart. Yeah. I think that's such good advice. Oh my goodness.
Ladies, I've got a brand new sponsor to tell you about today, and this one I'm super excited about. In fact, as soon as they emailed me and said, we want to sponsor your show, are you interested? I was like, heck yes, I'm interested, because it is Imperfect Foods. Now, you guys, I have heard so much about how much food goes to waste in our country that is perfectly good food. All in all, over $218 billion of food goes to waste every year, including 20 billion pounds of produce. And that's what Imperfect Foods is here to change. Imperfect Foods is the only food delivery service that buys the perfectly nutritious and delicious food that grocery stores won't sell and delivers them to you at a discount so you could save money and help reduce food waste. Imperfect Foods sources directly from farmers committed to quality and delivers delicious, imperfect groceries for you at up to 30% less than grocery stores. So I recently was able to get an order from Imperfect Foods. And I was so excited because first of all, I was able to order all organic produce at a much cheaper price than I would normally pay. And when I got the products, it's not that they were bad or outdated or anything like that. It was just that they were imperfect. They were the wrong size or the wrong shape that when other buyers who are looking for that perfect produce, they don't want to pick those up because they want a perfectly shaped orange or, you know, they want to make their little orange tower to be all uniform. Most consumers don't really care if their orange is a little misshapen. It doesn't really matter to me because it's the same quality produce, even if it isn't as pretty. And that just doesn't matter. I just want the good food. Plus, they let me completely customize my order. They sent me a little link where I could go in and say, I want this. I don't want that. It was so easy. And their food plans are flexible and let you pick healthy seasonal produce alongside grocery staples. Because along with their quirky looking but delicious produce, you can also get surplus coffee, discolored quinoa, off-sized eggs, slightly scarred almonds, and so much more. And it was all delivered straight to my door. You guys know how much I love that. You can read about imperfect foods in the New York Times, Bloomberg, and Forbes, or ask any of their 200,000 satisfied customers. So start saving time, saving money, and saving waste right now, because when you go to imperfectfoods.com lovely, now through February 16th, you'll get $10 off your next four orders. That's a total of $40 off. Just go to imperfectfoods.com lovely to get $10 off your next four orders. imperfectfoods.com lovely and enter lovely at checkout. Okay. So you wrote this book. You started this podcast. What made you want to start the podcast? Obviously you said you're a speaker first, but like what, what got that going? Yeah. I mean, there were so many reasons I wanted to start the podcast. Obviously a lot of people have podcasts nowadays, but the thing was, it was kind of a dual reason. I am a speaker who writes and I wanted people to hear my voice and like get mm-hmm. to know my personality a little bit before they read the book because the book is, um, I got contracted to turn in 60,000 words mm-hmm. and I turned in 90 <laughs> and wow. they were like, oh, we're going to have to cut some stories out. And so I felt like, no, this was my one time I finally got my story on paper. And even still now it's really only half of my story. And so sure. I, as a teacher, I'm a teacher, like I love to teach the word of God, but I wanted to like, let's pause the memoir and sidebar into teacher mode. And, (laughs) and my publishers and editors have done such a great job. We're like, Rebecca, you're using teacher voice again. We, your readers (laughs) are smart. They're going to get it. You have to just tell the story. And it was so hard for me to not 
like want to pause and do a little training on trafficking and neurology yeah, and all yeah. the, and you know, adverse childhood experiences and all the things. And I couldn't, I had to just write the story and hope people got it. And that's pretty scary. Um, and so I felt like the podcast would allow people and it's called hood to holy people's journeys of transformation. It would allow people to not only get to know my voice and kind of my personality and allow me to do some of that sidebar training, but I also invited on guests who have nothing to do with trafficking that got to share their own journeys of transformation so that people could see that we all, like we all have a story to tell everybody. Mm -hmm. And that was the heart of, of me getting it out there. And we just wrapped season two or season one, we're getting ready to go in season two. And I think- this season, I'm going to interview um, six characters from the book. Wow. So we've got Mark Parsons and Andrew Stover both listed in the book. Um, Brandy's going to be interviewed. My daughter, Deshay, will be interviewed. My husband, Matt, will be interviewed. So we're going to wow. have a really great lineup for season two. Yeah. And is that going to come out right around the time of the book release? That's the goal. Okay. Let's see if I can get it yeah. <laughs> recorded and edited and uploaded yeah. in time. Yes. In between all I the other that. podcasts and the interviews. Yeah. And the, oh, and by the way, I run a nonprofit and I have team and end of year asks and yeah. <laughs> I have to actually do the work. All of those things, you know. Oh, and children. Oh, and Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's this little holiday Jesus yeah. was born on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a really good time to be releasing your book into the world. Yeah. yeah. And a daughter coming home from college that you haven't yeah. seen in months that you wants you to be, pr- I mean, all the things. So yes, I'm yeah. trying to have season yeah. two release around the time of, podca- of yeah. the book launch. Uh, it I might be more February. That. I don't know yeah. for sure yet. Yeah. You please tell me you have a podcast editor. My husband say. is okay. my producer. Okay. So at least it's not all on you. No. And he's really, he's like a tech genius. He's done the soundboard at tech. Actually, I talked about that in my book that I met him. He was the sound guy. Yeah. So he's, he's had been a tech genius for a long time. So he's really good at it and, and he's free. So that's yes. what I <laughs> That is nice. <laughs> Very nice. Oh, I love that. Well, he's like, was dinner made? I'm like, I don't know. Are my podcast done? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Oh, that's funny. Well, I just, I love love, love this book. It was so honest and hopeful. I mean, I, I, that hope is something I've really struggled with over the past two years because it seems like things just keep getting worse and the abuser keeps getting away with what he's doing. And, you know, that has been really, really hard for me to think that there could be some sort of redemptive story on the other Mm -hmm. side of all of this. And so when I read stories like yours, it maybe makes me dare to hope like a little teeny bit, <laughs> you know, mm. that it could be like, okay, someday. So it, will, it is. Yeah. So I just, I appreciate your willingness to put yourself out there. And I think this book is going to touch so many people. I would say women, but I don't think this should just be women reading this book. Like I think so many people will be impacted by your story and I just hope that it, it does incredibly, incredibly well because it's, we need this. We need this right now. It's time. It's so crazy. I think people oftentimes, I know the story will get picked up a lot more by women and, and I totally get that. And I, I think though, I've had times when I'll tell people like, oh, we're doing an anti-trafficking event in the community tonight. And they'll go, oh, I have sons. And I laugh. I'm like, well, um, for one, boys do get trafficked. Yeah. And it is, it is less likely. It is a much smaller percentage. I get that. But boys are trafficked. There's actually a great documentary call, coming out called Boys. It's mm. all on the exploitation of young men in our nation. 
and it's it's going to be phenomenal. It's it's put on by a really great great nonprofit. But needless to say, even if it's a girl or boy that's being bought, yeah, the number one buyer of sex in the world is American men. Yeah. What are, how are we raising our sons to not yeah. become buyers yes. of commercial sex, whether that's strip clubs or porn or magazines yeah. or people, yes. how can we raise up a culture of young men that are taking a stance against this hypersexuality? Yeah. How are you raising your sons? Yes. Really? Yeah. Are we, porn is rampant in our country and it is a gateway mm-hmm. to exploitation. Not every person who watches porn ends up buying a trafficked girl, but 100% sure. of people who buy trafficked mm-hmm. people have watched porn. Yeah. 100%. So yeah. we just have to, we, as parents, I think it's really important to think about how are we raising our daughters and, and how are we raising our sons in a world where hypersexuality is just rampant right now. Yeah. Oh, I think that's such a good point and so, so important. And now we're going to completely change gears. <laughs> I hope I've made at least a hard topic a little bit palatable. I mean, that no. was my goal with also doing things is like, this doesn't have to be this giant, big, scary, oh my gosh, trafficking. I, it's too yeah. yucky. I can't listen. Like, no, it's an issue. Just like poverty, yeah. just like yep. abuse, just like addiction. And and our world is rampant with it as followers of the of Jesus, like- we have to figure out how to do this life in a world where yeah. there's people that are oppressed and all around us. And we, how do, how are you, Jesus, how you are the word with skin on, how are you going to bring love um, and justice into your communities? And so it's, it's like, we can't turn away from these issues. We have to yeah. be able to talk about them in a way that's not offensive and not scary and is mm-hmm. actually like, oh, I can do this. Well, I can bring hope. I can bring forgiveness. I can bring love. Yeah. I can bring acceptance. And we can't, ignore it anymore because it's just growing. This is, we can't pretend like this isn't happening. This is becoming more and more widespread into all kinds of communities and we need to open our eyes and be aware of it. So I, I just, I love what you've done with it and everything you're doing. I hope it just really spreads like wildfire. Thank you. So after all that, what does a typical day look like for you now? Man, well, with the book coming out, it's much, much different. But my my typical day is I wake up at 530. uh, I spend an hour in prayer or in my word. I wake up my kids at 630. I um, quickly get them breakfast and clothes and off to school and we're out the door by 730. Um, And then I head into the office, which my church has donated an office space to me. So I'm very blessed. And I work from the home doing a variety of things. So this is when I'm an at-home day. So I'll get caught up on emails. I'll get, you know, caught up on projects. I'll work on my sermon. I'll record podcasts. I'll work on my next book. I'll take a phone call with a survivor. I'll help mentor someone through a rough part of their time. I'll go run to the task force meeting, meet with the local sheriff. I'll take a phone call from the crisis teacher uh, last night I was on the phone till seven o'clock at night with a teacher whose student identified as being trafficked and she doesn't know what to do. Wow. Um, she's a homeless youth, so she doesn't have like a parent to call. She doesn't have foster. If she calls foster care, the girl will run deeper into the homeless camps. And so, um, you know, we just talked through like a strategy plan on how to approach it, how to get this person resources. And then usually by then my day's over and I come <laughs> home and my mom always picks my kids up from school for me. I'm so thankful for my family's support. So my mom picks my kids up from school and brings them home and gets them a snack. So I'm home by 4.30 
and I spend a little bit of time, wrap up a few things at the house, and then I get started with dinner, and then it's homework, baths, bedtime, and I do it all yeah. over again. Um, That's amazing. But on days that I'm traveling, it's, which is like every three days, so usually once a week, then I have like a 3.30 wake up, leave for the airport, jump on a 6 a.m. flight, head to somewhere, do a present, you know, then I'm teaching, training, equipping community professionals, whether it's an emergency room staff or undercover police officer group. I've, I've gone and met at some very crazy locations for undercover <laughs> cops to teach them That's trafficking. Um, I've worked Super Bowl. I will preach at that women's conference. I'll show up to your women's retreat. I'll leave, you know, your, your girl, your women's Bible study. Um, and then I'm home and back on the plane and working on things, working on my task force report. I, I sit on the task force for Congress. So we inform Congress on the 12 areas that states need to relook at policy. I'm on a presidential advisory committee. So we're taking calls with all the president calls with all the presidential candidates, wow. policy committee chairs to how they can look at the issue of decriminalization of women. So I'll have meetings with that. So it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot of go, yeah, go, go. It's, it's just like not impacting anything at all. <laughs> now, I mean, holy moly. I know. I feel like I have a lot of capacity. And so I yeah. don't, um, and I think we all can do something. I don't, I, yeah. I, I'm yeah. never like, oh, I'm so busy. Look at me. It's not like that. It's that I have a message that I believe God wants to get out. Yeah. And, and in order to change a culture, you have to sit in circles that you don't always agree with. You have yeah. to be able to work with teams that, that you're not always on the same political or faith side yeah, with. And, yeah. and that's what working together in change is about. And so um, our nonprofit is really about changing culture. So if people want to get behind this work, obviously we're a nonprofit. We love donations. Small shameless, pl <laughs> yeah. small shameless plug, but plug away. Um, you know, we have admin overhead costs. We have things that, that it costs to keep doors open at a nonprofit to be able to do this kind of work. So yeah, and what, is keep the us name in mind. Your, what is the name of your nonprofit? It's called the Rebecca Bender Initiative. Okay. So you could go to RebeccaBender.org. You can click donate and then there's a learn more button and it goes through all of the three initiatives that we're working on right now to change culture. That's awesome. I love yeah. that there's so many different ways that people can think about like getting involved and taking this message farther. And yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in all of that, what is some little thing that you do right now to cultivate some loveliness in your life? Oh, geez. Cultivate loveliness feels like such a broad ask. Um, I know it is. It can be any dumb thing. Like I enjoyed listening to this podcast while I made dinner last night or, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to try to make it into my daughter's holiday lunch today. They really wanted oh, me to come join yeah. them for their Christmas lunch in the cafeteria. And so I'm rescheduling a meeting to be present for my daughters today. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cultivating loveliness with my kids. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I've been kind of doing the same thing, especially because like when we're recording this, we're gearing up for the verdict of our trial, not really knowing how much I'm going to have my kids, especially heading into the holidays. And so I've been like, we had a weekend last weekend where I feel like I was just extra present. Like we did puzzles together and played games and you know, crafted and just like really enjoyed each other. And that we all needed that, I think. Mm. This week. That's nice. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready for my stock questions? Yeah. Okay. Candles or essential oil diffuser? Candles. 
All right. Cloth napkins or paper? Who has time for napkins? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, I'd love cloth, but I use paper because I have four kids. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want the laundry. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Okay. City or country? City. Right. But I live in the country. Isn't oh, that horrible? So yeah. <laughs> I did. I'm a city girl who's stuck in the country right now. Yes. I, I lived in the country and then kicked that country to the curb. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Paper or digital? Digital. All right. Shopping. Would you rather do it online or in the store? Oh, both, but online. Too okay. busy. Yeah. Amazon Prime. Deliver. Gotta go. Yeah. Right. Okay. It's whatever time you're making dinner and you need a mental break. Do you listen to a podcast or music? Podcast. And what are some of your favorite podcasts? Oh, I like to listen to sermons actually. Okay. Um, but I listen to TD Jakes is probably my number one YouTube channel that I subscribe to. So I just put on okay. good old Bishop Jakes, man. He's always the, he's always fire. Um, yeah. but also like Bethel sermon of the week is really good. Expression 58. Um, pot sermon of the week. So those are my, my three I go to. Okay. Chocolate, milk or dark? Mm, I'm not a big chocolate fan. I know oh. it's weird. All milk right. probably if I had to pick one, okay. but I want something good in it, like nuts or cookies yeah. or something. Okay. That, that's the real answer to that question. How to jazz <laughs> it up. Okay. Sports or no sports? Sports all day. All right. Live broadcasting. Would you rather broadcast or watch? broadcast. Okay. <laughs> what is your favorite movie? Gladiator. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. Okay. And if you were to put yourself on the crunchiness spectrum where zero is totally not crunchy and 10 is like singing Kumbaya by the fire with your legs unshaven and dreadlocks in your hair, where would you be on the spectrum? Oh my gosh. Well, I live in Oregon. Yes. Right? I live in Southern Oregon, which is crunchy capital. Like yes. I don't like, I think we make our own peanut butter and I have my own chickens for eggs. I'm being serious. It's weird. <laughs> I, I think it's bizarre when people don't recycle. I don't know. I live in Oregon. So I guess I'm a five, but I'd like to be a five or probably a seven. <laughs> <laughs> See, and I think it's totally based on where you live that you say you're a five. You would be like an eight or a nine in some other state. Totally. But in totally. Oregon, you're like middle of the road. In Oregon, I'm middle of the road because I don't, well, I do, we do have a garden, but not seasonal. And my husband's a hunter. And so you're immediately out of the crunchy circle if yeah. you're killing animals, <laughs> right? So like, <laughs> and I don't have like a Prius. That. We don't have yeah, a hybrid yeah. car. I have a regular car. So yeah, yeah that puts us down a down. few notches in the yeah. crunchy book. Yeah. But anywhere else, they'd be like, look at these crunchy weirdos. <laughs> yeah. And plus I want like a chemical peel for Christmas and, yes. and I like getting my nails done. And so my, it's, yeah. it's definitely not in the crunchy circle. <laughs> this is true. This is true. I feel that there are certain things I am sacrificing on the crunchiness level as I get older because I'm just like, and no, I'm just going to go ahead and pile whatever I have to onto my face to right. keep it as young as possible. Yeah. My friend's like, you shouldn't do chemical peel. I have all of this great retinol product. And I was like, girl, nobody got time for that. I need yeah. a <laughs> chemical peel and some Walmart Cetaphil shoe. <laughs> no time. That's so funny. <laughs> and no money, right? Like right. Uh, if I'm getting a chemical peel, it's a, it's my big Christmas gift. It's like, yes. <laughs> I'm yeah. a nonprofit. We're not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I need some instant results here. Right. All right. Well, 
thank you so much for chatting with me today, Rebecca. I have looked forward to this interview for so long. And me too. Lived up to all of its expectations. So oh, you're so you. much fun. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you for coming on. And whatever that, you mentioned another book. So whenever that comes out, I will have you on again. Thank you. I'm so excited. We'll see. We'll see what yeah. happens. Okay. <laughs> have a good day. You too. So good, right? Were you guys as impacted by Rebecca as I have been? I just, I think you need to run out and go pre-order her book. It doesn't come out until the 29th. We had to run this episode a little bit earlier than we had been planning on, so we're ahead of the game, but you can still pre-order the book, which also helps Rebecca, and then it will just show up on your doorstep next Wednesday when the book comes out. So head over to Amazon. We've got our links at boldturquoise.com slash 151. And you can just quickly head over there, get your book on pre-order so it is in your mailbox on the day that you are first able to read it and read this book because it's so good. And I think you are going to really be surprised by just how relatable Rebecca is and how ordinary, but she's doing now amazing, amazing things. All right, I already mentioned a lot of the other stuff at the beginning of the episode as far as, you know, leaving those reviews in iTunes and joining us on Patreon at patreon.com slash cultivating the lovely. We would love to have you there. We also introduced coaching this month, which has been super fun to be helping some ladies figure out their planning and, and different things in their lives, giving them some accountability to stay up on their goals. It's been a ton of fun and we would love to have you join us. Okay. Until next week, or if I see you on Instagram at Mackenzie Kappa or on Patreon, go be bold and gracious. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.